Hey everyone, welcome to the Soul Food for Thought podcast. And today I'm excited to bring you Shaman Omar. Shaman Omar is... I absolutely loved the presence that he embodied and his authentic expression. Um, And throughout this conversation, you'll get a taste of that. So, um, for example, throughout this conversation, his connection, his Wi-Fi was a bit shaky. Um, And so midway through the conversation, there was actually like a gap where his connection cut off completely. And so we had to kind of pause it. And he had to relocate to the lobby of his hotel. And so whenever he went down to the lobby in his hotel, we resumed our conversation. And what's funny is that um, a janitor or, or someone, you know, someone of the hotel staff came in and tried to kick him out of the lobby where we were having our conversation. And it's just amazing because it, it really... Um, the way Shaman Omar responded was, I would say, indicative of how free he is and how unbounded he is um, and how nonconformist he is to any ideas. Because whenever I think of... There's a misconception in spirituality. Um, because there's this, there's this, there's this perspective... Um, that some people can get attached to. And I would say in my life, I've gotten attached to this before, but it's like this idea that in order to be spiritual, um, you have to be in a certain way, you know, whether that's you have to dress in a certain way, or you have to talk in a certain way, or you have to, um, you know what I mean? Like talk about some things, not talk about other things, or... Um, kind of restrict yourself and like the the truth and the, and the uh, authenticity in your expression, and really like whenever I think about that, it's like it doesn't it doesn't vibe with me um, because for me personally, it's about freedom. It's really just about freedom. Um, so yes, like I'm not, you know. Try, I'm not deliberately trying to go around the world as a loose cannon and being disrespectful to people or um, trying to, you know, cause chaos and whatever, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, it's freedom over everything. And I'm not going to let a single thing dictate what feels true to me um, and to stomp on me in that sense and so yeah shaman omar's response to the hotel staff um i thought was just indicative of that that just that freedom of expression because you know he didn't you know he didn't he didn't bend over for them frankly just to be completely um straight up about that um and so throughout this conversation we talked I mean, we talked about so much. We talked about authenticity and spiritual freedom. Um, We talked about the way of the warrior and dealing with the light and the dark and just how to navigate the world, how to navigate, how to spiritually navigate, how to spiritually navigate the urban jungle. So it's very easy to kind of isolate yourself from the world 
you know, to go to the jungle, to go to the mountains, <laughs> to sit in your house all day and meditate. But we really talk about doing the deep work within the world um, and, and to just be able to show up in that place as the fullest, um, most truthful and free embodiment of who you are and to be able to evolve, uh, you know, within this modern age, <laughs> you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then finally, I should mention that, that like, first of all, thank you to everyone who has listened to this podcast, whether this is your first time or if you've been here before. It really means a lot to me because, first of all, it's just amazing that, um, you know, I've been looking at my numbers lately and the analytics and it it's honestly quite surprising to me at times. Um, just looking at how many people are actually tuning into this podcast, um, especially given the fact that, you know, I haven't done that many. Um, and uh, and even just like pr- like production wise. Uh, because obviously my you know my connection or not my connection but my um my sound my sound quality isn't perfect all the time and that's because um I don't have professional podcasting equipment yet but I should tell you that that is on the way and I will have professional podcast equipment by January so with that being said, you can expect the sound quality to be much, much better on my end. And it's going to be easy for you to receive these messages, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, seriously, overall, I really respect you guys and honor you guys. And um, I I appreciate you guys for um, for being here and, and to listening to my messages. Um And so if you have any feedback or comments or anything you want to say about the content, please reach out to me on Instagram and, and, you know, let me know. Uh, And I'm really, yeah, like, I'm really curious to hear from you guys. Um, Some of you guys have reached out and that's awesome. Um, But yeah, I'm curious, like, do you guys like the solo sods that I do? Um, What types of guests are you interested in? Uh, are you more interested in the people who are talking about, you know, more of the grounded on earth, um, you know, physical, mental, emotional stuff? Or are you interested in more of the woo-woo spiritual stuff? You know what I mean? Or a mix of both or, you know, whatever it may be. I'm really curious to hear from you guys. Um, and honestly, like, I have a lot of podcasts coming your way. A lot pretty sure at the moment there are six that maybe maybe seven that I have unedited so I'll be releasing those throughout the next you know month and yeah like I'm excited to just keep pumping out content for you guys and I'm finally starting to get to this place where I'm not necessarily invested in you know, the long term, because I really, I mean, I just have this unwavering faith and knowing that, I mean, everything's going to work out perfectly. It always is. Um, And I'm just starting to cultivate some patience 
on this path. Because now, and I was talking to my friend about this yesterday, but this is the first time where I actually, it, it feels like it's beyond my ego. Um, so, you know, at one point, whenever I was, you know, coming out and creating this content and starting the podcast and all of that, what it was really about was just this heart-centered calling to express myself freely and the things that I like to talk about. Um, and, you know, to do that type of deep work, because this is deep work for me. Um, I'm becoming more free every single day that I post something on Instagram. Um, you know, post something that makes me uncomfortable. And I'm interviewing and I'm talking to all of these guests and having these conversations like, this is definitely for my growth and for my freedom and it's on my heart's path but recently in particular particularly yesterday i just had this realization that it finally feels like it's beyond me i finally feel like i'm invested in a mission in a purpose that is far beyond and greater than myself um and what I really think that, I mean, you could probably attribute that to, to many things, but I would say there's just been this dominant feeling in me that I don't want to see people suffer and to be slaves to their reality because we really have to, I mean, it's clear, I mean, there's so much coming to light societally. There's so much coming to light and it's clear that like there are dark forces, dark energies, whatever you want to call them, of manipulation, of deception, of fear that are impregnating people. And it's it's keeping people in states of disempowerment. And, and that's really the thing for me. It's disempowerment. Um... And yeah, like I, 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 I am just committed to serving the world, to just serving consciousness expansion. And so yesterday, whenever I had this epiphany, this like newer realization of like what I'm really feeling behind what I'm doing, it's like, I just had this urge to like speed through and drop like all of my content like right now because i have i honestly have so much that i have not dropped yet um because i, I because I, I want to blast this shit <laughs> i want to blast this shit onto the airways like seriously like it's it doesn't feel like it's about me anymore like i want to share these voices and these perspectives um so that people can integrate these approaches and these ideas and concepts into their life and reprogram their their consciousness and to become aware and awake to the things that are actually happening within their body, within their mind, within their world. Um, because honestly, like, this shit is only... It, it's just getting started. It's just getting started. So... Yeah, I really appreciate you guys. Thank you for being here and enjoy this conversation with Shaman Omar. Today, our guest is Shaman Omar, and he's a mystic, he's a shaman, he's a speaker, he's an ayahuascaro, and he's an activist. So 
Shaman Omar, thank you for being here, man. Thank you so much. I'm so, happy to be here. Mm -hmm. So my first question for you that I have for all of the guests is, who are you and why do you do what you do? Who am I? Um, so there's like, how deep of that question? I'm, I made a video recently called, who am I? I don't, did you see it or no? Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> it's on my, okay, there we go. So who am I is like a persona, right? It's like the personality that whoever I am, I I've been many things. I've been kickboxing Omar. I've been athletic Omar. I've been hedge fund consultant Omar. I've been CEO Omar and I'm shaman Omar, right? So the, the persona, or, you know, the word personality comes from the Greek word persona, which means one who wears a mask on stage. So at all times we're wearing a mask that we accept as who we are, but then it's also really the depth of the, the journey in life is to find out what we are, like beyond this shell, what am I, you know? So who am I? Um, uh, everything you just said, you know, I'm, I'm pretty deep into, um, in this experience called life. Um, when activists, I just believe that I'm an activist for things that are right, you know, like the light and not, not necessarily from my perspective, more of just from like a deeper sense of, of right. You know, I don't like injustice. I don't like deceit. Um, I don't like, uh, I, I was raised a certain way, you know, my parents did, came from other backgrounds. So, I, you know, um, I implement uh, a lifetime, I implement 30 years of studying theology, mysticism and history with uh, 10 years of active shamanic practices. Um, and I just incorporate all that and in service and then at the same time i'm also incorporating that into my life and constantly redefining who i am and elevating that on a higher and higher level based off of my perception of myself through my consciousness i'm a worker mm -hmm. yeah that's powerful man i like how you your emphasis on just like the experiences and getting like super deep into the experiences because I mean, like at times, like for me, like I get, like that can kind of be a bypass for me. It's like, oh, it's like the experience. It can be like a bypass of like doing the work. But at the same yeah. time, that's what it's about. It's like that full experience of like the light and the dark. What's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? wisdom experience. <laughs> You're right. Just experience. So you can read many, many books about spirituality. But until you've had an experience, you have no wisdom on the subject. You can read lots of books on sex, mm -hmm. but you'll never have the wisdom until you have the experience. And death is that matter too, or, or having a child, for example. There's people who, you know, a psychologist can try to talk to you about your alcoholism. <laughs> They've never had alcoholism. They're really just conceptually in text, going off textbook explanations, which lacks the wisdom for true, true change. Mm-hmm. Yes, I really, I really like that approach or, or just that way of looking at it because what I've been thinking a little bit about lately is like, it's like, how do we bridge the gap, right? How do we bridge the gap between like the mind and the heart? So perhaps like from one perspective, you could say like the heart, like the experience, or maybe that's how, like how you want to go about it. But that's just what I've been thinking about because like, I remember whenever I would read business book after business book, after business book, after self-help, self-help book, after self-help book and so on. 
And it got to a point where I was like, okay, like I'm not really even interested in reading these anymore. Like, you know, then maybe like, yeah, like sure the right book will come along and it'll help me whenever it does, but I'm getting so much more from just digging really deep into my own experience. That's where my wisdom comes from. Because if I was, you know, if I was reading like all of these books, like, like, yeah, I'm always a student, right? I'm always you know, listening to podcasts and things like that. But if I were to be, you know, disproportionately um, focused in that area, then I wouldn't even be able to, to really like post like the content, for example, that I'm posting right now, you know, on social media, because it would be, it would, it would, it would be too, a little bit too mentally and conceptually focused and a little bit removed from like my own experience. That's a very, that's, that's a super, I mean, mature is one way of using it, but that's a, that's a super ascended way of viewing that thing, you know, especially like, you know, I, I'm in an interesting age because I remember when there was no internet, you know, and I remember when there was, I remember when cell phones came out. I mean, I was a young child, you know, and I remember, and then I've seen, and I, I've seen, and I've been a part of this, of, of the whole social media um, takeover, you know, the alternate reality that has been created that in many ways, and for many people, it's unfortunate to say is more real than actual reality itself, you know, um, and, and, and that's what's happening. Sorry, am I, am I back? I had a phone call that may happen again. Yeah, um, you cut out for a second. And, and so the interesting part about this is, you know, it's what are we, what are we, what are we doing? For example, someone can be interested in something and go listen to a YouTube video or perhaps go to a workshop and they hear something new, you know, reality versus actuality. And they go, oh, what is the difference? And then they hear it. And before they even have time to embody the message and truly understand it inside, they're already making videos trying to explain something that they don't even, they were unaware of. They tried to explain something that they were completely unaware of until five minutes ago. It's like, how many times we go when we look up at the sky, but how many times are we going and looking up at the sky and immediately try thinking it's time to share this with the world. And the question is why? Why are we going and looking at the waves and immediately pulling up our phone to take the pictures to show other people? Go look at, for example, when you see concerts, concerts, people go to concerts because they love the artist. The whole time they're staring at their cell phone trying to capture it. And even worse, one step further, trying to go live. How present are you? And the question is exceptionally present in the alternate reality created through social media and not present other than being a shell in reality at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. I remember whenever I was, um, I mean, that's a great point. Cause I remember like for like nutrition, for example, like once like, I started to eat better, there was a certain point where I was more concerned of like, showing people like what I was having for breakfast than I was of like actually <laughs> enjoying my healthy breakfast. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and we're all guilty of it. That's the thing. <laughs> we, we've all done, we've all done things, of course. And we, the question is, did you, did you change it 
And did you catch it? And if not, and if so, how long, how much time did you waste? How much time and effort? You know, I mean, there's people that, you know, I have friends that are their lives and their livelihoods, their, their money based around social media and public opinion in general, but that doesn't mean they have to be defined by it. Right. Okay. So I want to go right into shamanism then, because I think that's a perfect segue because sure. right now, you know, in the mainstream media, you know, there's all this talk about how like everyone's like trying to be a shaman and like all those things like that. And so how were you able to, like, I want to hear about kind of like your initiations into becoming a shaman and how you were able to differentiate between, you know, like, where is this actually coming from? And so I'm sure, you, you know, obviously you have like, a big story behind that. So I want to hear about, you know, what led you into this experience? Yeah, I mean, that's a big question. Um, you, I, the, what led me into shamanism, shamanism was definitely my, my search, you know? And so I, I believe um, in any aspect of belief, eventually we're going to find the door inside, in, into our own soul. We can explore the mind as long as we want, but the, you're never going to find the answer. Uh, you're you're going to find lots of answers, but you're never going to find the truth, you know? And that's like the difference between like a trip and a journey, you know? The journey inside the soul is a journey you, and, and you're tripping already. You know, people come to an ayahuasca ceremony and say, man, that was an amazing trip. I'm like, no, you misunderstand. You were tripping when you walked in the door. That was a journey. You're tripping because you're trying to find your footing. You trip when you're off balance, you know, and you could trip infinitely through the mind and the mind will constantly keep making up reasons why you're always right because we're the star of our own reality show, you know, where every, how do I know it's true? Because I believe it. Oh, okay. You know, everyone is always half right at all times. And it's a simple thing to look at from the perspective of the mind because um, your mind accepts everything you believe about yourself that's delusionally good and delusionally bad. So if it's your mind, how come you think anything negative about yourself? You know, as opposed to this just tissue of electromagnetic energy that's absorbed tens of billions of bits of information stored in the subconscious. And the subconscious is what you're not aware of. And that's what, that's your darkness. That's why it's called going beneath the surface or going to the root of the problem. And eventually you're going to realize, not you, but anyone is going to realize that books can only teach us so much. There are no elders, that all stories are half right and half wrong, and nothing's ever true until you've experienced it inside. And there are certain truths that are inside of humanity from the beginning of man that will be the same to the end of man. It doesn't matter if you're gay, straight, doesn't matter if you're Republican, Democrat, it doesn't matter what your skin, doesn't matter anything. There are certain eternal truths that we can experience within the soul. And eventually, like in Hinduism, they believe you, you reincarnate 108 lives until you've found the, the doorways to, you know, ascension, you know, and I believe maybe 108. I mean, these are just arbitrary numbers, right? Uh, 1.21 gigawatts, right? It's just all, it's all made up anyway. But, you know, for me, I, my father was, uh, you know, like uh, Afghan, uh, like, Pashtun Muslim, you know, and then my mother's like Roman Catholic, you know, and they come from completely different backgrounds. And the one thing they, they, the best thing they ever did for me was they took, when I'd ask these big questions as a kid, they say, I don't know, go find out. 
You know, my father never told me like all the answers and the only truth is in the Quran. My mother never told me, oh, the Roman Catholic, uh, go ask, the, you know, pray to the Pope, he'll save your soul. Like, she never told me any of this stuff. So in like fifth grade, I remember I started studying theology. And so by the middle of seventh grade, I, I read through all of the books. And then I started studying to like various aspects of like secret societies and mysticism. And, you know, I'm like in like 13, then I started studying into like, um, different aspects of mysticism. So for example, like there's Islam, but the mysticism within Islam is Sufism. Judaism has Kabbalah. Um, Christianity has Gnosticism and, and so on, so on, so on. So then I started studying into like mysticism in the middle of my ninth grade. By the senior year, I, I would say I pretty much explored that. Then I started getting into like world history. Um, so, you know, from 11, I started studying theology and um, and uh, have direct experiences. I remember like I started doing breath work at the, uh, around um, seventh grade with my uncle. They have like various forms like Sufi breath, which is comes from a much older version, which is uh, from Zoroastrian traditions from the Indus Valley. Um, so I started having those like transcendental experiences like at a very young age, like before I even understood what was going on. Um, but also the truth is the, uh, the truth is I've never been asleep. And that's the truth. I, I don't remember ever waking up. I've been awake. Uh, and uh, so at that point, I, I didn't have this like aha moment where I, where I woke up. I have had many amazing moments where I could see clearer, but I was already aware, if that makes sense. You yeah. know, I wasn't like, oh my God, they told us the sky is red. In fact, it is blue. I never had that moment. I was just trying to figure out why is the sky blue? since I can remember. And so um, mysticism and understanding like, you know, we can have a discussion about the earliest recorded civilization, human history. We can say, okay, 6,500 BC in Sumeria, let's, let's go. And we can go right from that first recorded text all the way through history, talk about everything. And I, you know, and clearly and concisely, I give talks on this all around the world, no problem. But that wasn't enough, you know, that wasn't enough. And uh, around after high school, you start getting involved, you know, life and girls and wh who am I? I don't know who I am. I need to figure it out. Okay, sports are ending. What am I going to do? I'm going to business, like, you know, um, then it's like make money. And then it's like, how much money? Okay, let's become a millionaire. Okay, I'm going to be a millionaire. Then you do that. And then it's like, now what? Now more of it, you know, and... I just got lost in the, in the trap. Sorry, someone keeps messaging. Um, <laughs> do you edit these things out or not yet? Yeah, you yeah, edit I, I, I edited it up, it's all good. Okay, thank God, let me, let me message this. Are we live, we're not live though. No, no, <laughs> no, we're not live. Okay, let me message this guy and tell him I'm in the interview, hold on. Oh, good, man. Oh, I'm gonna interview him. Uh -huh. Sorry, brother. Don't I, I remember where I am? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and we get lost in this, we get lost in this idea of, you know, who am I, who am I, who am I? And we define ourselves as, as this. And I, I hit, you know, um, a relative success, 
you know, I was like by 30, boom. And then at 30, I, I hit it. And then I was like, okay, more, 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 31, 32, 33. And then I just, and it, and it never lost contact with, with that inner search, but I always was distracted easily. You know, the material world will always provide you the opportunity to be distracted from the real truth of why you're here and what you're really searching for, you know? Um, and uh, then I had like some, some things occur, like I lost all this money and got in the business deals. I got like ripped off on a large scale and not just me, but like a whole thing fell apart like in a matter of a few days. And then at that moment, boom, you know, I remembered like, there's no, this is not the point. What was the point of all this? To have like a Lamborghini and to have these watches and to, it, what, is this what it's all about? You know, drinking all the time, taking Adderall to like, not even a lot, just taking, the point is like creating and ingesting and creating this illusion to keep the illusion growing like a hot air balloon that I never really wanted to soar that high end because the higher you go on the hot air balloon, eventually it's gonna pop because the sun's powerful. And then it's like, well, why is the sun there? That's a good question. I never got the answer to that. You know, so it was always, it was, uh, I've never been disconnected. I've always been connected. And I, I like in many other people got lost in the, in the illusions of grandeur, you know? Uh, and then uh, at 32 uh, years old, um, I had, uh, an ayahuasca experience like it popped up it you know popped up and then at that point it jumped back so when I was um when I was a sophomore when I was a sophomore no sorry when I was a junior in high school I was in a wrestling match I got headbutted and I went in a coma for two and a half days and in that experience I had this gigantic experience like where my when I woke up like blink 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 I was like a security camera in the hospital room looking down at my own body for like two and a half days, like omni-conscious, like, oh my God, if, who am I, where am I, huh? You know, I had that whole experience. I had this gigantic experience where eventually after a couple of days and uh, I realized like, okay, I'm, this is me and that's just a shell and you know, everything got calm real fast. And at some point I started to leave my body. And this is a much bigger conversation, but with what I can only describe as my cosmic mother, as soon as I saw her presence, I remembered everything. It was like when you were a child taking a little road trip, you just pass out for 10 minutes and you wake up and, and you don't know what reality is. That's what the first 16 years of my life was. And so from six, so that's what really dove me deep into, into the beginning, like where, you know, because what I saw, what I experienced was a divinely feminine being of pure love and, and beyond light. I didn't see judgment. I didn't see... Uh, hell, fire, and brimstone. I didn't see any, especially judgment. All I saw was connection, like a cosmic umbilical cord to my first creation, which could have been my soul or could have been where I was before, could have been where I'm going after. All I know is it wasn't what they told me in those religious books. So that's what dove me deeper into that search. And so, um, you know, fast forward to the end of high school and then the next 10 years of trying to become something, uh, and then I had that moment again, and through ayahuasca, my first ayahuasca experience, I had that, that reconnection with this divinely feminine cosmic spirit, you know, whether you say the earth mother or God the mother, it's, just the, it's the divine feminine embodied in whatever personification you witness her as, you know, um, but it's the essence of it. 
um, uh, it's the essence of the, the divine feminine, you know? So, and, and so that was basically like me being reunited after a 16 year search, 16 years old, uh, headbutted coma, me 16 year search to reconnect at the 16th year after drank the medicine, had that experience. And at that point I realized it was a huge blessing because it's not like I just stumbled upon ayahuasca and had my first spiritual experience. I've always been in search since I can remember. And so to have that reconnection was to me the biggest blessing ever because then I got the passion uh, uh, refueled, you know? And as far as how I became a shaman uh, is, is, a, is a tricky thing because um, you know, like what is a shaman? How, how I became an ayahuasquero? To me, that's a simple answer. You know, people say like, how do you know you're supposed to serve ayahuasca? And I go, well, have you drank ayahuasca? And they go, no. I go, then you wouldn't understand. And if they say yes, then I say, okay, have you met ayahuasca in your ceremony? They go, yes, I have. Great. So she can communicate. They go, yes. Well, a calling means something spoke to you. It's real simple. So I serve ayahuasca by the grace of ayahuasca allowing me to, because um, if ayahuasca doesn't want you to serve ayahuasca, then you, you're gonna have a big complex, you're gonna have a big problem um, trying to serve something. It's like trying to uh, fly a dragon that doesn't want you on its back. It's not gonna work, okay? So, you know, for me, I've been an ayahuasquero for many, many years. I've served medicine to over 8,000 people. Um, you know, uh, I'm a shaman because I'm an ayahuasquero, but that doesn't limit my abilities because through ayahuasca and through my understanding of all these various ancient practices, my shaman, you know, a shaman is someone who, uh, a shaman ultimately is someone who uses some sort of tool, whether it's a flute, a drum, the voice, something to create vibration, to bombard the five sensorial three-dimensional reality to take you outside with fourth dimension of vibration. We have five senses that create three-dimensional perception of reality. A shaman uses a tool to create vibration in the fourth dimension, to take you outside of your thoughts, deep inside, to awaken the sixth sense, which is your intuition. And delivering you into your sixth sense is exactly you meeting your higher self in all aspects and without any, um, walls to that there's no ceilings and there's no walls to the inner eternal self and this is what a shaman does now but a maestro like a true shaman knows that also cleans you because a really good shaman is a spiritual janitor ultimately it's not just about pouring liquids in cups and singing a couple of songs that's nothing it's a holding a powerful protective space, which I believe is the role of the divine masculine also. I believe the divine, I believe that the masculine is here to hold a powerful protective space like a pyramid for the divine feminine to do its job inside, within. And that doesn't mean that's limited to the role of a shaman because of women's shamans, of course, obviously. But I believe my role as a man and as a shaman are intertwined. I hold space for, for ayahuasca and for the divine feminine or the soul within you to dance and to clean you off because energetic cleanliness is the, is the least 
it is the most valuable and least understood thing. You can be a fool and be energetically clean and be in bliss. And you can be worth $10 billion and be energetically, systemically just dirty and never uh, have a good day. Yeah. Okay. That dude, you dropped so much there. Thank you for sharing that. On that very last <laughs> point, on that very last point. Thank you. Thanks, bro. I appreciate you. Um, yeah. I was thinking about that. That was your seg- that was your segue. Right. <laughs> um, so I've been thinking about like, you know, people who are diagnosed to be mentally disabled. So, you know, like like the people like who you would see them and you could like like some people would consider them crazy or psychotic or whatever it may be. But to me, like whenever I look at those people, like there's just something different. Like it's almost like there's like a freedom. There's like an energetic freedom and it's, and they're just so unbounded by, they're so unbounded. They're so um, not under the confines of these mental structures and programs to the point where sure, like they may seem weird like by whatever that definition is, but they're really just free. And if you're actually there with them and, you know, maybe you, you know, you just like feel them. Cause like this happened to me the other sure. day, like I was walking by this guy who you could call him psychotic, like some, like you could like see it in that way. And cause he was just like, why? Like he was running around the street. Like he was screaming, he was yelling, but like the most important thing is that like he was laughing, you know what I mean? Like he was laughing and there was just like this good energy that was to him. And like, he'd kind of like come up to you and like bother you, like do whatever. But it's like, that guy is just free. Like, he, yeah, like sure. He doesn't necessarily fit in, but he's free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a fine line between madness and genius, right? Right. But you know, it also depends on what they say. Like depends because you know, they, they, they classify um, they 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 classify like learning disability as a mental disorder. They classify everything as a disorder. I mean, there's more there's more disorders. I mean, especially in today's victim mentality world we live in, everybody has a disorder of some kind. Everybody has diagnosed of something's wrong with them, so they feel good about themselves. But more importantly, what they don't realize is that's a way for them to give away their power. Say, oh, there's something wrong with you. Take this pill. Oh, I knew there was a reason why I'm not happy. That had nothing to do with me. Uh huh. Yes, dude. And <laughs> someone who's wired like what you're saying goes, "Fuck your pill. I'm gonna just enjoy this," you know. Mm-hmm. And, and and I I look. Ultimately, I've seen enough healing where everything can be fixed. And sometimes the only thing it's fixed is something's firing stronger on one side or, or, or there's just some wires that are not cro- like that are just kind of sparking a little bit and we can just fix anything. I believe ultimately that everything can be healed. Everything can be fixed. Everything can be, can be rendered in a new form, period. Yes. No matter what. Hell yeah. Period. And I, and I can, and I can show you. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 and I, like, yeah, I I mean, like, it really is like, whenever you see the people who are like, no, like, look at the science, like, the facts, like, 
that's not possible. It's like, first of all, like, what is the joy or the, what is the joy in thinking like that? Like just in general, like I find like so much joy and just like beauty in like having no limitation at all. But then it's like, yeah, like I, I mean, dude, I was told all my life that I had asthma all of my life, like before, yep. before when like for as long as I can remember, I've been told that I have had asthma. And so all my life, you know, I take breathing treatments, inhalers, all this stuff, whatever. And dude, maybe like, I think it was like four weeks ago where I was having trouble breathing and I was like, you know, maybe I should take my inhaler, but I was like, you know what? Like, no, like, no, like I, I'm not, I'm not going to, hey. yeah, yeah. We broke up for a second. Um, yeah. It, it left, the, my, my camera cut out. Hold on. There we are. The, the last time I saw your face was you said, I, all my life I was told I had asthma and you some about breathing treatments and it cut out. So if you want to take it from there, right you can edit that properly yeah so i was like no like i'm not like i was having trouble breathing and i was like no like i'm not going to take my inhaler right now because i'm just at this point where i know that i don't have asthma because i'm not the asthma as like shortness of breath is something that i can experience but it's not something that i have it's not something that i am similar to how it feels whenever I'm walking in cold weather. It's like, I experience cold right now. And later I will experience warm. It's not like I have asthma. And so the moment that I decided not to give my power to that passing experience, I haven't used my inhaler in four weeks when previously I would use it almost every day. So like I'll go exercise and I'll even have shortness of breath, but it's like, no, like I don't even need my inhaler at all. And so I've discarded this program that was really just feeding, you know, big pharma and like all this crap. But I mean, that's just like our power. And I, I feel like it's just so beautiful when people can wake up to like that power that they have. I completely agree with you. I had the same exact situation. I remember that in elementary school when we were running the mile uh, in PE, that I was like always one of the last three. My goal was to not be the last one. And I was running with, I, I mean, listen, I, I'm not trying to be like, I'm not trying to like, uh, one girl was like mentally disabled and the other guy was like, you know, 260 pounds and then there was me okay and that's because I, I could not breathe I couldn't breathe <laughs> right uh and then at some point I was like you know this is horrible uh I was also highly allergic to the grass too by the way that was like a, an added factor but and then I remember like in ninth grade I was like man forget this and then I threw the inhaler away and I was like I'm gonna play football and then by the end of the by the end of that football season, I was like halfway good. And then I started wrestling. And by the middle of the wrestling season, I had normal lungs. Whether I coughed that out, whether I whether I ran off and exercised off, 
the mental block. You know, it's like once I, I have in ceremony, for example, someone's battling depression and <clears throat> um, uh, panic attacks, right? And I say, don't worry about the panic attacks. Which Hey, so this was the moment where Shaman Omar had to relocate and there was like a huge cutoff. So yeah, <laughs> there, there's a little break here in the conversation and we kind of transitioned to do a little bit of a different topic. But thank you for listening and here we go. It's really about analyzing the relationships that we have, our relationship with everything relationship I have with my inhaler, the relationship that I have with how often I get up and go to my refrigerator to eat food. It's like literally everything. Like as far as like the inhaler goes, it's like I gave that inhaler and this condition of asthma, this passing experience of asthma, so much power by, by having my inhaler in my pocket every single day for at least <clears throat> 16 years or more, you know what I mean? And like the moment, yeah. okay, I'm not going to carry this thing around anymore. That gave me so much of my power back. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's like, how would you, how would you live your life if you knew there was no one coming to save you? You know, it's like the old story of the general realizing that they were outnumbered when they land on the beach, they have, he orders the ships to be burnt and says, gentlemen, as you see, there is no way off this island except for straight, regardless of what we see on the other side of that hill. That's your only way off this island, alive. How would you react? How would you, how would you deal with it, you know? Um, it was like when I was referring earlier about someone who says that they have panic attacks as their main source of looking for shamanic help, whether in the breath work or within an ayahuasca ceremony. I know they're going to have a panic attack, of course, because in their mind, they're going to have a panic attack. In their mind, they say, my weakness, in essence, they're saying, what has control over me? And the gateway to my fear is manifest is this thing called panic attack. So it's my job to make you have a panic attack so that I can help you rise above it. And so as soon as they have the panic attack, I'm having, I go, no, stop talking. Listen very carefully. You are having a panic attack. They almost lose their mind because I'm confirming their biggest fears. That I, but, you know, mm -hmm. but I say, but there's one solution through this. If you breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth, it's impossible to give yourself panic attack. You are giving yourself a panic attack by breathing in and out rapidly through your mouth. If you want to stop having a panic attack, concentrate and focus all of your attention on breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. You cannot, you cannot panic attack yourself this way. It is impossible to panic attack yourself breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. This, of course, Everybody can have a panic attack with breathing this way. And then, of course, I, I calm them, use the, whether it would depend on where we are, like calming them, you know, whether, um, and, and that's it. That's the end of that, that psychological program, that connection, that connection, you know, between me, weakness, the connection to panic attack, 
there's my, there's my accepted weakness, the gateway to my fear manifest panic attack. Oh, here's the gateway to my fear manifest um, food, alcohol, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's all just accepted. And this is the hardest thing. When we realize that everything is our fault, when we realize that everything is our fault or everything is our blessing, right? We are our own gift and our own curse at the same time, right? That when we realize these things, then, then, then that's the situation that we're dealing with. Yeah, that's powerful because you talked a little bit about it earlier. Um, as a Hold on, hold on one second. I'm a resident. What do you mean? It's close to the public. The lobby, they just told me to come up here for my conference call. The front, front desk. That's what I said, yes. Why did they tell me to come up here? Okay, I'm a new resident in 2007. I have no Wi-Fi. I need to finish this call. This is my work. But then why is my, why is my access working? How else did I get in here? How did I get in here? My finger code, yes. So they, you told the front desk, right? Of course. And they told, no, no, I didn't tell the front desk. Front desk told me to come up here okay. for my call. Yeah, I'll be, thank you. <laughs> there are That's how we handle that, the matrix. <laughs> there are forces that don't want us to have this call, but we're going to spread Always. this fucking light. <laughs> Always. We, we can't come in. You can't have access to this room because of the COVID. Oh, that's the reason. <laughs> or are you just trying to establish more control over stuff? I go to Walgreens. Uh, I'm wearing this. I'm wearing a face covering because uh, this is like part of my heritage. Uh, I'll wear this anytime I want. Uh, and now and then I just cover my mouth just because I don't want to listen to the, uh, the problems. And uh, I'm in Walgreens and someone's like, oh, sir, you have to cover your nose completely. And I said, ma'am, I didn't come into this. This is not a doctor's office. And I'm not seeking medical advice from someone working in this store. Thank you. Right. And, then, and then that's usually like, they just, they just realize like, okay, just leave, him, leave it alone, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. This guy is trying to tell me this is rooms closed because of COVID. Right. Not in, that's not the case here. Now, this yeah. room is closed. This room is closed <laughs> for COVID. Great. And I'm in this room right now. And I'll leave this room when I'm done. And if you want to close this room for COVID, then make sure my fingerprint access doesn't access this room. I live here. Mm -hmm. I like that energy, man, because it's like, I feel like there, there could be like misconceptions about what it means to like be spiritual or like, to be a shaman or to be spiritual, you have to be in a certain way. You have to be like Buddha. You can't be firm or you can't be, you know, you can't handle things in a certain way, but it's like, I disagree. Oh no, that's hippie stuff. That's <laughs> new age hippie stuff. Right. You're not going to tell me, you're, I'm not, there's no, there's no, in my opinion, there's no nobility in martyrdom on on the macro or the micro there's no nobility in letting you take me and burn my body at the stake there's no nobility in letting you take my body and putting me on a crucifix there's no nobility of me allowing you to take my body and put it into a prison for 36 years and the, and on the mic and on the microcosm there's no nobility in me giving into this guy's opinion of what's my safety or the rules of this room in a building in which i live 
and I don't even know who you are. What are you, a real estate agent? Who are you? You know, so I don't just accept authority just because someone stands and tells me they have authority. You have no authority over this room or me. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you going to do? Physically move me out of this room? I don't think so. What are you going to disturb my phone call longer? Go back about your day. And when I'm done with this, I'll, I'm going to tell you why you should never interrupt my phone call again. But right now I'm busy. Leave this room. Mm-hmm. You know, you can barely open the door. <laughs> you know, so this whole idea of we're just supposed to be in this noble, noble truth. You know, we speak to people and they're like talking very low and they're closing their eyes and they're, you know, I feel that, um, you know, it's like, no, 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 no. Speaking quieter doesn't mean you're more empathetic. You know, like be, talking, talking loud doesn't mean you're being aggressive. This pacified society in which we live in is giving the, vo- the space just in mere decibels for the madness to take that space with their loudness. Think of who's speaking the loudest on earth right now. The madness. It's not voices of truth. It's not voices of unity across the board. It's all, it's all very small microcosms of parts of society that are just being magnified louder because the majority of people think like you and I on some level. No one hates, no one just, it's 2020. No one's just running around hating a race of people just because. We're, we're far too integrated. I'm sorry. The, this whole concept is just not true. I don't know anybody. I've never, I don't even know. Where would, where are, where are like these big groups of hate? Where are they? You know what I mean? Like I traveled the whole country, you know, you know who the, if you want me to be honest, in the last 20 years, who's the country and the race most hated upon in America? Afghan people. Of bar none. I'm walking around Omar John Ahmad Zay. Bro, I'm watching racism all over the place. Just right from, oh, and he's, we're going to kill every single one of these fucking Afghans. Hey, by the way, where are you from, Omar? Afghanistan. You know, <laughs> like, oh, I didn't mean it. Yes, you did. Stand in that truth. I respect you. Switch it now. And now I don't have any respect for you. I respect when people believe something. You know, I respect when people stand in their truth. I can disagree with you completely, but I respect the fact that you're at least standing strong in your opinion of something. You know, in your opinion of something. And then we can have a conversation. This world we live in is a bunch of people who like, oh, well, if you think like this, then I can't be. It's a we live in a nanny state right now. Put on your mask in case you're sick. If I'm sick, I'm going to know I'm sick. Oh, but you could get someone sick. How can I get someone sick if I'm not sick? Would, Would you know if you're sick? Yes, of course I would. Well, then why would I not know if I'm sick? But it's just in case to be a good person. But I'm already, I already know I'm a good person. I help people on a weekly basis in 14 countries for the past decade. I don't need to show virtue signals to show I'm a good person. There are tens of thousands of people who have interactions with me who only know me as a person who've helped them. I don't need to be... Uh, to someone, uh, this guy in my building I just moved into to think I'm a good person because I'm conducting an interview like this. You know, like, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, and man. that's the, the people are so unfulfilled in their life that they're using anything they can, anything they can to virtue signal that they're good, you know, to virtue signal that they don't hate people. I don't need to walk around with a rainbow flag to show that I support liberty of people's sexual orientation. You know what I mean? Like, right. I wouldn't live in Miami if I hate gay people. <laughs> it's real simple. I don't need to justify, speak loud about something to, to show that I'm not, you know? And that's, we're living in this inverted world right now. And, 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 you know, like the word media, right? Social media, media, the medium. You know where the word media comes from? Media is a Greek word. Media was a Greek goddess. Media was the Greek goddess of deception. See, media didn't have any actual powers. So what she did was she created deception and illusions between the two different, between the gods uh, the, in the Greek tales. So she could, by them fighting each other, she would rise up the ladder. That's where the word media comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's deep. I think right. Whenever I think of like the path of truth or like the path of the heart, whatever you want to call it, it's about my experience. Like it, it's about coming to that place of just being natural. Like that's just what feels good. Like just like what feels natural. Like if I don't want to talk to a person, like like if I don't want to talk to the guy at the front desk, I just don't want to talk to him. Like yeah, I, like like I can't like force myself into like being a good person. Like I like I just can't I can't do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or because it's like what is a good like what does good even mean? And what is the point? Yeah, good for who? Being, right. And like, what's the point of being quote unquote good if it if it, it if it doesn't feel good for me? Yeah, that's that martyr. That's what I'm. That's what I described earlier about being a martyr for other people. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go do this because the people need me. It's like not, and not if it's fragmented. You know, like if it doesn't feel good. Like the worst thing is that's why I don't go anywhere. Go out to a dinner. The first thing someone wants to do is talk about ayahuasca. The last thing I want to do is talk about ayahuasca and your problem, which means you're telling me about your problems while I'm trying to put this energy called food into this, into into my temple. I'm going to charge it with your problems and then I'm going to be sick. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't feel like talking about um, ayahuasca at certain times. It's like, you know, if, if you're a mechanic, does a mechanic go out to dinner and want to talk about fixing cars? You know, it's like, it's, does a brain surgeon want to talk about brain surgery while they're eating ice cream? Probably not. Right. And it's like, then it's like, Oh, but I thought you're supposed to help people. You thought I'm supposed to help people is this are we at a dinner or or is this or is this did you did you are you are we in a session right now like and the people take it personal you know and that's the thing like that's that's where the spiritual maturity comes in spiritual maturity because eventually the path is the same for everyone we start to wake up we acquire or unlock some sort of skill or ability to help people we put ourselves out there the response if if it's pure and clear will be big and then you're going to be taking all the calls and you're going to disregard yourself and you're going to get yourself sick and you're going to get yourself worn down. And then that process of me being like, oh my God, but I'm helping people, but I'm so worn out. At some point, the pain and suffering is going to be enough where you realize I need to take care of myself first and foremost. So that way I can actually be a much stronger vessel 
to fill in the blank, you know, to, to guide people, to heal people, to whatever it is. And that is, uh, that's the same path that everyone's going to have to, to go through regardless of, regardless of what it is, you know. It's just like if you were an actor, same thing. You're an actor, you do this big movie, and now you're like, oh my God, I have to do all the press. It's like, now if you're going to give a shitty interview, because really, to me, the most important thing is like surgical precision and quality of work. So like my, my offerings are limited. Like I don't serve medicine to more than 20 people. I hear those 60, 70 person ceremonies. That, that's un, unbelievable. But you know, if you just want to go see a nurse, then go see a nurse. But if you want to see a surgeon, a surgeon's only going to do so many surgeries in a day. You know, um, So it's like what caliber of specialists are you looking for? You want to go see a nurse? Okay, you go to see... You know, you can go to like the CVS pharmacy, but if you want to go see like a, a damn brain surgeon, you may have to, you know, there's, there's different parameters of that. So to me, caliber, quality of work, quality of work, quality is important, like laser precision, mm-hmm. you know, and it requires you to have energy, clarity, balance, and, you know, you have to have to give, you know? Right. That's that spiritual maturity, brother. That's that spiritual maturity. Yeah. You get all fired up. We want to help save the world real fast. We will drink ayahuasca one time and then they, 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 you know, they have that Jesus moment. They're like, oh my God. You know, it's like, you know, like mysticism is, mysticism is, people say like, oh, what, what is mysticism? Mysticism is something that always existed and you're not aware of. There's nothing mystical about it. You know, like. I may say something to you that you've never even conceived of or even thought of, and that may open up a, a new uh, hall in the halls of Amenti or the Akashic records, you know, and that, and then it opens up a new dimension of understanding. That dimension has always existed before you were aware of it. You just became aware of it. Or I may, you, someone asks a question. I don't answer the question. I'm not, 90% of the questions I'm not answering. I'm just removing the question. There is no, the, well, what is this when you die, huh? And then right. you remove the question. There is the, you know, it's moving a cloud. You're asking about the sun's light. We'll just remove the cloud on that subject. There it is. Now you have felt it, you know? So yeah, there's really nothing yeah. mystical. Right. Because the, it's like the mind, kind of like we were talking about earlier. It's like the mind wants the answers, like the mind wants yes. answers, but the intuition or whatever you want to call it, like that heart-centered feeling, that love, that divine feminine, whatever you want to call it, the God source, there are no questions and there are no answers. It's It, it completely bypasses all of that. And that's why I like what you said earlier about how it's like the, um, the delusions, right? Because it's not only the quote-unquote bad illusions that we have but it's also the good ones that get in our way true true (laughs) look at me i'm so good look at me i'm so weak yeah absolutely it's a delusion it's a delusion and it's an illusion and when we possess that in our mind that's what a possession is a possession is when 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 possession is something that's not real you know like what's systemic systemic is something that is so inside of you you don't realize you have it i mean the ultimate virus is fear the number one virus is fear because you can have it your whole life and never know that you have it. It's just you. This is just me. You can give it to your children. You can, you can spread it around everywhere you go and no one even knows he gave it to them. You know, 
And so that's the ultimate fear, you know, it's, is, is, is the ultimate virus is fear itself. When you can eradicate that fear, then you have the ability to do anything. And then this is when the true abilities unlock, you know, it unlock and the fearlessness, you know, like whether, whether it's even the fearlessness to like speak your truth or to uh, go to the jungle or to drink ayahuasca or to fast for 10 days or whatever, you know whatever it is, you know, fear is the number one hindrance that we have. And the, the number one fear that we possess is what? The fear of death, because we don't understand life. And when we possess that fear of death, that's the, that's the gateway for the handlers to control us and to keep us down. They keep telling us we're going to die. The war on terror, the war on terror, right? The war on, what's terror? It's genius because terror is a human emotion. You can never defeat a human emotion. You can't have a war on happiness. You can't have a war on terror. You can keep changing the face endlessly and keep giving away our rights to keep us safe. Now we have a war on a virus. We're going to have a cure for the virus, but how is there a cure of a virus? There's not a cure for any virus in the history of the world. That's why it's a virus. It's a program. <laughs> you can't have a cure for a program. Program's ever-changing. That's why the flu shots don't work. But all of a sudden, we're going to have a cure to a virus. Oh, stay inside. Stay inside based off what? The beginning, we didn't know anything. Understood. But now it's been eight and a half months. We know lots of things. One, with, one thing we know for sure is we have a 99% survival rate. So you mean to tell me that I'm going to live in fear based off of the possibility that I get something that then gives me a 99% chance of not dying? Why would I be living in the fear of death when there's 99% chance that I'm not going to die if I get the possibility of getting something? And, and just if you lay it out like that, black and white, hey, there's 100 doors here. And one door is going to lead to your death. In this room is safe. How much of your life are you going to stay in this room and be safe? Eventually, you're going to have to walk through one of the 100 doors. And the chances of you walking through the wrong one is one out of 100. If you look at it like that, the question is, how long are you going to stay in the basement, in the darkness? And the answer is different for every person, you know, at the end of the day. And that fear, but if you magnify something, then it, then it becomes everything. And when you put it through the media, that's why it's television. They tell you a vision of how they want your reality to be. So they program, they create a program, and they shoot it through the television for you to see and absorb, and this becomes your reality. Yes, and that I love that, and because that is what that's why discernment is so important, and I and increasingly I just recognize that discernment is so important. Absolutely, like you. How said, do they do it with visions, with visions and visuals? But most importantly, they do it with the exchange of vibration in the form of words. And they yeah. create the words by spelling them. So they create the spell, project the words through the television to you, and you absorb the program directly from them. This is, in essence, shamanism in a dark way. This is black magic. Right. Yeah. And because they're everywhere. They're literally everywhere. And I have to catch myself sometimes. <laughs> whenever I'm about to speak in that way, because I remember the other day, 
I was talking to my friend about something. We were talking about something like that is purchased, right? And I recognized this program like before it even came out of my mouth, I had to stop myself and not say it because I was going to say, oh, well, it's cheaper or some shit like that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I refuse to operate under that program of scarcity and lack. If I need it, then I'm going to go buy it. it like, you didn't I- cast the spell. You're catching yourself and not casting the spell or creating the cloud that you'll later complain about the rain. Beautiful. We're running around casting spells with the words that create the clouds that we then complain about that it's always raining in life. Mm-hmm. We are our own black magician or our white sorcerer. You know, We're creating the light or the dark magic on ourselves by our inability to discern the vibrations and the programs casted upon us the energy and environment that we have in this third dimensional reality and the inability to discern between the two voices in your head. And that all is based off the disconnection to your sixth sense. So you become an animal. What is, it, what is the difference between man and, and, and human? There's many kinds of man. Whether you believe that God from the Garden of Eden created mankind or whether you believe the Anunnaki created the animal of man, it's irrelevant. Because there's many kinds of man, but a human is the animal aware of the eternal life within. When I look and open my eyes, I'm the animal of man, and I see different types of men and women, meaning mankind. And uh, and you look like me, and we're a team, and they look different, you know. And we act like the subservient animal to our animal instincts. But if we put us all in a room and close our eyes and take one breath inside together, like. That is the connection that unites humanity. And in essence, that's also what shamanism is about. It's about ascension. The cobra becomes the dragon. The hummingbird becomes the phoenix. The animal of man becomes human. But the human becomes the angel. This is our point, our path of ascension. Through our organization, uh, the Universal Theonostic Society, which is a non-denominational organization dedicated to ancient shamanic mysticism um, and through direct experience through shamanism, right? Um, There's three steps. There's the awareness. You become aware, right? Then you awaken and then the ascension. And these are decisions. The awareness is the blessing because you become aware. And then just as you described, you caught the words before they came out of your mouth, right? That's an awareness. And you... Are your eyes open before? That's the awakening. You see it. And when you don't say those words, you ascended above that old paradigm of the old you. And on the microcosm, it happens here day to day with our words and the spells we cast on our life. And on the higher expression of, of the soul or you know, the, the soul or the spiritual life. I mean, the, the spirit is just, you know, and in this water temple, we house a spirit that we call the soul, right? So the soul is just a human spirit. So in the spiritual aspect of things, we are looking to ascend outside of this understanding of this, here I am, little old me, and we want to be connected to, you know, what are we looking for ultimately? We're ultimately looking for a higher understanding or higher experience of what we would refer to as God. And what is God? We're looking, you know, we're looking around to find out what that is. And it's like, the deeper we go inside, 
you know, the further out we look, the more we're going to realize we have to go inside. You know, we can build microscopes and we can go deep, deep into the atom and subatomic and we can go build telescopes and keep looking out to space. The only thing we're going to see is more atoms. The universe is all matter in space and matter is always creating itself, you know, but why, why are you searching? And the answer is because you need to know and you need to know what? truth truth about what yourself and ultimately you know and where are you going to find that when you close your eyes we open our eyes two eyes two hemispheres of the brain this is duality i open my eyes i'm experiencing duality right and we close our eyes now we have the understanding to to experience singularity we have the, the ability to experience oneness with anything you know, you can't open your eyes and experience oneness with a tree. You can close your eyes and, and experience oneness with the tree. You know, you open your eyes and you can, you know, and so on, so on, so on, you know, that you can just, that's a rabbit hole. We can just go down. Right. Forever. So I want to talk about the fear of death. Like how, how does someone, because like that is like the pervasive fear, like that really kind of is the whole thing. It's like, we don't want to do the, un, you know, we don't want to follow our heart because we're scared of how it'll look to our friends or our family members. Um, you know, all these other things. It's just like, if you were to really take it down, it's really a fear of being casted out, which is yeah. death. And so how do people... Yeah, social you know, death. <laughs> <laughs> how do people... It's so funny if you really think about it. <laughs> right. I'm afraid of saying this thing that I really feel in a country that's, that, that's protected in the first amendment, because I'm afraid of not being, or being kicked off of Instagram or Twitter or something. Right. And it's like, that's such a reality of like, Oh my God, what, what if I get kicked off and my life's going to be different. It's like maybe better. Mm -hmm. Right. And so how do people overcome the fear <laughs> of death without necessarily having, let's say they haven't had a near death experience or something, you know, sure. or, or like a, super enlightened state, whatever it may be. Like, sure. What would, you, what would you recommend? I would say the easiest solution to that is, is to let go of the concept of death and the focus of death. It's like a war on drugs is only going to create more wars, right? A war on terror is going to create more terror, right? And so the real thing is, is like, instead of searching for the eradication of death, why don't we search within for a deeper understanding of life? And through that deeper understanding of life, what life means and what life within and why am I alive? And what is life? Is it my consciousness that's perceiving life or is it the breath? You know, the, the word spirit comes from the Greek word spiritus, which means to breathe. Thus, every time we take a breath, we're having a spiritual experience. A lot of times when I talk to people, they say, oh, you're a lot more direct than a, I, than a shaman or you're different than I thought shamans were supposed to be. And I say, well, what did you think a shaman was supposed to be? I say, um, you know, like nice, or um, they're thinking like a priest. And like, no, 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 there's a difference. A priest is selling something. You know, what's the difference between someone wearing all white and someone wearing all black? Perception. We are programmed to think someone wears all white, that they're pure. And someone's wearing all black, they're dark. The black magic comes from the lands of Alchemet. Alchemet's the name of ancient Egypt means the black lands because 
the soil was so rich of the Nile River that it was nearly black. And so thus Alchemet was the black lands, thus magic or alchemy. Alchemy is magic from Alchem, the black lands. The origin of alchemy comes from ancient Egypt. And thus alchemy means the separation of spirit from matter. And the quicker we can separate and discern ourselves and realize that we are our breath, thus we are our spirit or soul. Through searching through the spirit, through breath, we will uncover the soul. And through the connection of life within us, the fear of death will be eradicated as a byproduct of the search within. Right. And that just, yeah, I love that. Collateral damage, brother. Collateral damage of the spiritual search within to search for life will be the fear of death's eradication. One to one. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, really tearing down all these structures that we have. Yep. Everything that, pretty much everything that kind of just gives our personal reality form. So it's like, it's like, sometimes I feel my, like we feel best in like those timeless states, right? And it's like in that timeless state, like you are beyond death, like whenever you're in that flow state. So that's something that I tell myself frequently. It's like, remember that there, there is no time, like there's nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. Like, this is it. And, you know, I've been fortunate to have some experiences that have taken me out that have seemingly taken me out of time or just have dissolved my experience of that that illusion but yeah that's just how i go about it yeah it's all about the experiences you know Uh, it's all about the experiences at the end of the day like the the true art of it is the ability to exist in both aspects you know um i went to the jungle for many years you know i left the jungle like one time you know like so, so having these experiences of being immersed in the jungle, for example, we think, oh my God, you know, like how come all of the spiritual people, they become, they wake up and then they move to the caves, they move to Tibet, right? To me, this is um, not the point of everything. You know, the, the point is to be in the urban jungle. You know, the point, if you really, you know, one thing is to be like, oh, I'm so awake, so enlightened, but be so fragile. You know, someone says, I know I'm just, I'm just very empathetic. Hold on a second. Why are you describing a gift in essence, a power as, as, as a curse? I'm exceptionally empathetic. I can see what's going on across the room. That's why I don't go to a concert, for example. That's why I don't go around alcohol. Not because I have a judgment because I respect myself. I can't be around madness unless I'm prepared to be around madness, you know what I mean? And that's at specific times in a specific, I'm not like, you know what I mean? So, so to me, there's no nobility in doing the work and then moving off to a land where everyone is just awake like me. No, matter of fact, humans are there. So it's gonna be the same type of drama as any other place. Spiritual drama is real. You know, who's the most aggressive people regarding diet? Vegans. So it's the point of like waking up and realizing that the animals have the energy and realizing all this stuff. Now you're going and, and acting you know, and attacking people for what they don't understand. And at one point you didn't understand. It's outrageous. You know? So to me, the, the art is existing in both. You know? Being 
being the shaman who has, who has the ability to take anyone into the jungle if we're in the middle of Manhattan, but then the ability to exist within the third dimensional urban jungle and be amongst my brothers and sisters and, and these buildings and all this stuff. This is the true self-mastery. And I'm not saying I've mastered it, but I'm saying that I'm in it. You know, I'm in it. I was, I, the, the spirit guided me to go into the jungle. And a few years later, spirit told me time to go back to the urban jungle. And I, I was like, what? I just got comfortable here. And then the point was, anything worth learning is worth teaching. And what is the, what is the difference between a gift and a blessing? A gift is one thing. It becomes, the gift becomes the blessing when you share it. That's the whole point. Karma means action. So what's the point of receiving and coveting and moving off with their gift? You'll never actualize that blessing until you have bestowed it upon another who then provides them the opportunity to turn the gift into the blessing. This is how we change everything. This is true understanding of the process of enlightenment. Enlightenment, can, you can see something, but to truly understand and be a part of it, you must show others. Otherwise, you're going to be back looking for the same thing again because you half understand something. Thus, you half see. No, I see it completely. No, you have one eye open. You don't understand the point. Mm. Point is to uh -huh. give it back. You know? Yeah. And that's, that's why all, that's why the pilgrimage, that's why the hero's journey. Why do you think Jesus didn't finish his days in a cave? Why do you think the Buddha went around and did what he did? Why do you think Martin Luther King went and made sure? Why do you think, why do you think Abraham, every story of every Zarathustra went kingdom to kingdom, hundreds and hundreds of years before the, the Bible. All of these stories of these enlightened ones, Merlin, every story of enlightened people, they, there was an enlightened being that came and woke mankind up in that time period. You have the Arthurian tales of Merlin the magician coming and waking people up. You have the stories of Sanat Kumara, the peacock angel, right? Shamanism again, seven chakras, seven notes in music, seven colors. This is not ironic, you know? Um, Jesus, Christ, Christ was a title bestowed upon the man named Jesus after his death. Christ means enlightened one. Um, the story of uh, the story of Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareans were the enlightened ones. Naz Nazareth wasn't even necessarily a place. We, they say it was this place, but the ancient sayings also say it was a state of knowingness, similar to how the Masons would say someone is on the level. Level is not a place. It's a level of understanding. For example, Zoroaster became Zarathustra when he reached his enlightenment to realize when he saw beyond light and dark he saw the one truth, which was referred to as Ahura Mazda. Ahura Mazda in the language of Avasta means the uncreated one. The, the origin of the truth of the understanding of life eternal. So powerful and basic, you know? And so all of these stories of these enlightened beings are about them coming back into society and waking these people up, period. Yes. Not about running off into a cave and writing a book when they died. These people were so busy, they didn't write their own book. Right. Because that's so well put, man. Because they, have, they have no choice. Like it's- They understand. It's the, it's like the truest like warriorship training. Thank you. Because it's like, 
whenever you, <laughs> you get it <laughs> experience connection you realize that connection is all or nothing so like absolutely like, it's like you can't feel connected unless everyone else feels connected so like you really have no choice <laughs> like you there is no choice there is no choice you understand you know you stand you you understand you see you know it's like the woman that's it's like you hear stories about superhuman things like um, a child gets run over by a car and the woman runs up and like lifts the car for the child to escape they didn't make a decision it was instantaneous action you know some things are beyond decision you don't think to breathe you're not thinking to breathe you're not thinking to think we're trying to trying to think of how not to think <laughs> we're trying to unthink you know you're trying to unlearn you know but ultimately these things will just dissipate these should i should i not ah, all those that i haven't had this type of thinking and the last i was telling i haven't had a thought like should i should i not think 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 i haven't had this internal conversation in like over seven years i have singular thought like a cobra mm -hmm. i don't i don't have like conversations in my head and guess what? You know what the byproduct of that is? Peace. Peace. Okay. I'm not. Uh, so how do you? Because I'm not having. I'm not spending fifty percent more mental energy on this. On the same, I can go through my day and have the, the experiences and thoughts and reflections on my experience today. But eight years ago, the mental energy is double because I'm analyzing <laughs> everything. How the hell can you be at peace? When you're running at 200%, you can have a full tank of gas, you can have a nice car, but if it's redlined the whole time, it's going to be overheating, you know, and that's the nature of it. Look at this nice car I have, but you're redlining. I'd rather have half the car, a 3000 RPM gliding through, right? And most people would, and the question is how, you know, and, uh, and that's part of the process, but you know, there's a lot to it, but at the same time, it's all basic. It's all basic. We complicate everything. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, so, so how do you, like, it's not like it's, how do you get to that place of, 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 I, I'm not, I don't remember the, the term that you used. Singular thought, I think you said. Yeah that that's a very empowering place and that that's what feels right but you know obviously like you said it's very easy to get caught up into the mind and so how do you how do you really come from that place consistently um i mean it's you have to be ready to go on the journey you know, in Islam, I refer to all religions and I give talks on all these religions, right? So in Islam is a powerful word called, word called jihad, which has a massive negative connotation these days because the ignorance within Islam today of, of a mainly illiterate population in certain countries allowed for people to dictate to them what these things mean. You know, the word jihad as described, described ultimately was the war against darkness but it's a war against your own darkness. See, a jihad is an internal, eternal war. It's not about jihad outside here. It's an internal war against your own darkness. The darkness that is in the corridors of the unexplored connection within the soul, 
and the darkness within the unexplored aspects of the mind in the subconscious at the same time. And so jihad is when someone declares spiritual maturity and a war against your own darkness. And so for, in order for someone to really take this serious, they have to take it from a militaristic aspect. You know, a lot of times, for example, you said warrior, you referred to warrior several times. Completely agree. And guess what else is on your side with that perspective? History of the whole world. Everywhere you go, the spiritual warrior was the highest and most respected in all communities. Go anywhere. Look at any time period in any geography in the world. Where does the word, um, for example, the Christian mystics, when be, before mysticism was created in Christianity, the first mystic warriors were the Templars. The Templars learned about mysticism from the Sufis in the first crusade when they ruled the, the Holy Land's for like 186 years, that's where Christian mysticism, Gnosticism became re-established. The, the word Jedi from Star Wars, where does Jedi come from? The Jedi come from the Jedi. The Jedi are the Egyptian priest warrior class from ancient Egypt. They were the most respected. Look at every aspect everywhere. The warrior priest has always been the highest expression because they have mastered the spiritual and the physical. They fight darkness in all dimensions, in oneness within their truth. That is the point of anyone who wants to make an impact in this world. It, you can only fool people for so long. Though ultimately the word enlightenment you know, when they talk, when there's a story of King Solomon, you've heard of King Solomon? Mm -hmm. Okay. So King Solomon was, is, is um, accepted and revered in all of the monotheistic religions, Muslim, Christian, Catholics, Jewish, everyone. King Solomon, they say, of course, there's some mystical stories. They say he had a ring and the ring gave him the ability to talk to the jinn. Jinn comes from the Arabic word that means demon, but daemon, like D-A-E, which can be good or bad you know, spirits, right? And so it says that he had the ability to, he, no one could lie. And the reason was <clears throat> that one time there was, the story goes, there was two women that were arguing over this new child. Both claimed to be the mother. King Solomon said, well, we don't know which one the mother is. So bring the sword. I'm going to cut the child in half and give each one of them the half of this child knowing that the real mother would let anything, give up anything to let her new child live. One of the women said, no, she can have my child. Just please don't kill him, please. That's how King Solomon knew that was clearly the mother who would, you know what I mean? And so the reason is, is because King Solomon was enlightened. King Solomon didn't have a ring that gave him magic powers and spirits to tell him who's telling the truth. King Solomon was awake. Thus, he was able to see from the higher ascended point of himself, from the seventh chakra, and in the presence of the enlightened one, darkness cannot exist. In the presence of truth, deceit will be evaporated. Where once was dark, now you can see. This is the point. In the presence of the enlightened one, lies, deceit will not exist it will be eradicated instantly. And this is in all dimensions. 
whether through, you know what I mean? So that's the aspect of the warrior because it's, it, it is a war. It's a, there's, this is a battlefield. The, the third dimension is an intersection between light and dark by design. This is a battlefield. And we can pretend like, oh, it's all love and light. In the presence of light, darkness cannot exist. That's not true. Because if you are there in that presence, then you are half light and half dark. You are both. You are yin-yang. You know, you're masculine and feminine, left and right side of the body, the right and left side of the brain. You're both light and dark at the same time. You put into this world what you choose. That's why free will is, is our most powerful asset, you know? And uh, ultimately, we have to make the decision. So the question was, like, how do you do that? By going stronger into the sixth sense. You know, I'll give you an example, like a, like a third-dimensional example, right? I don't drink or do anything, but let's just pretend. Hey, Omar, you want to go out to – you call me and say, hey, Omar, let's go out and get some drinks. My higher self immediately goes, no, for whatever reason. I'll have early work day. My higher self goes, no, right? And I go, no, nah, I don't think so. And then either through you convincing me or me thinking about it longer, about five or 10 minutes later, I've come up with five or six reasons why not only should I go, but I deserve it, right? And then I go out and drink with you. And then what happens? I regret it the next day. Every time we go against our higher intuition, we always regret it. Ah, oh, I shouldn't eat that last piece of pizza. I'm going to do it anyway. You regret it. I shouldn't pick up this phone call. You pick it up, you regret it. I shouldn't go, I shouldn't sign, I don't like this apartment. You get it, you're going to regret it, right? Always. And that's because our higher self knows because our higher self is our higher self, right? It's our sixth sense, our intuition. That's why it's called women's intuition, because what makes a woman physically a woman is inside of their body. They already have it. And as men, we have to really wake that up because what defines us as a man or a masculine embodiment is outside of our body. That's why we're like out here, you know, it's like the difference between dogs and cats, you know, but the once the more we can depict the difference between the higher self voice, and the lower self voice between the angel and the demon the more we feed the, the light, the, 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 our truth, then the quieter that voice gets. But the tricky thing is, is that the ego is ever changing and the mind is always inventing. So it'll find new sneaky ways and new ways to whisper. Whisper, you should just do it. You know what I mean? And this is our internal battle between our demons. That's why the word jinn is jinn like jinn means like uh for example the jinn or demon like alcohol comes from the word al cool al cool you know there's demons there's goblins and there's ghouls al ghoul the ghoul right because al cool means flesh eating spirit that's why jinn the word for demon is jinn that's why it's called wine and spirits because alcohol if you drink enough alcohol, then you give possession of your darkness. You give your body possession of your darkness. If you, no matter who you are, if you drink enough alcohol, the next day someone's like, dude, you know what you did last night? You're like, no, what did I do? Oh, you called your girlfriend a bitch. You 
stole a car, you got into a fight. You don't know what you did because technically you didn't do it, but you did because the free will of giving possession of your darkness through the alcohol, the consumption of the alcohol, which is black magic on yourself. Wow. <laughs> Dude, that was so well put. Thank you. Right. I mean, it's, it's just, it is what it is, brother. Right. Okay. So what are three things right now that you would recommend to the listeners, whether it's, you know, a practice or a book podcast, whatever it may be, or like, or a spiritual teacher, whatever, what is it that you would recommend? Three things right now, the day after the election, um, or the day after, um, um, so, so, okay, I'm back, um, regarding a book, you know, the truth is I've only read like 10, 10 books in my life. I've read less than 10 books in my life total. So that's a tricky one. So I, I, I don't, I can't, I don't, I can't really read like, mm -hmm. you know, I've read, but I can't, I just, you know, it's just, most of the stuff is just connection is there. Right. So leave the books alone for now. Um, regarding, so things to explore. I mean, I don't like to make such blanket statements, but I would say for sure, um, you know, shamanism is becoming very, very, very mainstream right now, like for sure, right? Um, and it's for good reason and for bad reason. It's for good reason because um, the direct experience is the most important thing. Like our organization, like you're in search of theonosis. And theonosis means, it's comprised of two words, Theo meaning supreme creator, and Gnosis means wisdom through direct experience. So our organization, the Universal Theonosis Society, is people who are in search of wisdom through a direct experience, you know, through the practices and, and teachings through ancient shamanic mysticism, you know. And so our organization is a, a good thing to look into, theonosis.org. Um, my Instagram, I post lots of stuff uh, on the Instagram um, I travel in the United States primarily between like Miami, New York, Los Angeles, and seven other cities. Um, unfortunately, the majority of the public events have been closed because I'm not going to give people the illusion of talk about, you know, fear, like the eradication of fear while we're wearing masks. You know, it's not, I, it's not, it's not conducive. So my, I used to have, you know, hundreds of events a year for people to experience. Monday I fly, Tuesday is a talk, Wednesday is a meditation, Thursday is shamanic breath, Saturday is a ceremony, you know, so it's a, depending on where you are. Um, so I would say, you know, I have a podcast that I episode about ayahuasca that I, that I, that I did maybe a year ago. It was, it was a good one. It's called What is Ayahuasca? Couldn't get any more clear than that. I think that it's important to know as an ayahuasca, I think that the, to know that there is a possibility that this is a door that exists within our earth is more important now than ever. I'm not necessarily saying that everyone should go run out and drink ayahuasca. I'm saying that we should, you should explore that door as a possibility. 
think that's, I think it's my responsibility to tell people the possibility through this blessing in this medicine. I think that breath work is one of the most powerful things we can ever do. Breath work is super important and super powerful. Um, I don't have any online breath courses because I, I am, I'm starting to allow myself to get into this like virtual space, but I'm a connecting person. You know, even just doing this type of interview on, on, a, on a phone like this a year ago, nope, I get, we got to be in person. You know, that's just, I'm old school with certain things, you know, but I'm, I'm in my path, you know, I'm, I'm trying to break free of, of those, you know, it's better to be heard some way than to be not heard, you know, mm-hmm. there's 7 billion people on the surf. I can't physically see each one of them, but I can connect. I have the possibility to connect with each one of them before I die, right? So, and through these medias, you know, so we have to use the same way they're using to control the people I can use to help un- to break the chains, you know? So um, my social media, if they want to stay in contact, I post a lot of stuff there. Um, breath work, look into ayahuasca, listen to that podcast. Um, you know, actually, there is one book that I would recommend, which I know that there's YouTube videos of someone reading the book. There is an amazing author named William Walker Atkinson. William Walker Atkinson, this just came through to tell you. William Walker Atkinson was a man who wrote 70-some books in 30 years. There was a time period, I would call it a renaissance in this world. And it was from the 18, it was from like the 18... 1780s to like the mid 1800s there was a new thought movement okay madame blavatsky thoreau um and there's many authors and william walker atkinson william walker atkinson wrote this book in 1886 called i'm sorry it was 1820s to 1920s that's a new thought movement and this book was called thought vibrations the law of attraction and this was the first time the law of attraction was written Okay. Now, fast forward, you've definitely heard of Napoleon Hill, right? Okay. I, I had a, okay. Napoleon Hill's book was called Think and Grow Rich. Think and Grow Rich was when Napoleon Hill met the richest man in the world, Andrew Carnegie, who told him, you're going to work for me. I'm not going to pay you anything. But after you're done talking to these, these amazing titans of industry, you're going to write a book and that's going to teach people the principles of success. But during that time, the one thing that unified beyond success of, of Ford and, um, and uh, Carnegie and all of these guys was their study of the mechanisms of, of personal growth through this book, Thought Vibrations, The Law of Attraction, when essence is like an American mysticism renaissance during this time period. The movie, The Secret, if you've seen The Secret, the movie... Okay. Remember at the beginning, she's like, in the midst of all my troubles, my daughter gave me a book. And she opens the book and goes, <gasps> and goes down the rabbit hole. And that's when the, the movie, The Secret begins. That book is called Thought Vibrations, The Law of Attraction. So I read that book when I was uh, 17. And so like fast forward, like 10 years, The Secret came out and it was like, my God, The Secret, Omar, that, what you're saying sounds like The Secret, The Secret. Have you read it? I go, I don't read books. And then, then I watched the movie. And all that was, was thought vibrations, the law of attraction. That, that I, you know, that I was young. I was 17 when I read that, you know? Uh, and it became oneness within me, you know? So 
the principles of mysticism, the principles uh, and, and mechanisms of the mind, the, the understanding of the system, the understanding of the chakras, the understanding of vibration, the understanding of breath, the addition of medicines, you know, ultimately you can believe whatever you want, but at the end of the day, this existence is made of three kingdoms, plant kingdom, the mineral kingdom, and the, and the animal kingdom, and that we are a part of the animal kingdom, and we are the children of earth, and the plant kingdom is the feminine, the mother nature, right? The mother nature and then Father Nature is the mineral kingdom, the mountains and the deserts. And there's medicines from the deserts, the cactuses, and there are medicines of the plant kingdom, 100,000 of them. And Mother Ayahuasca is referred to as the mother of all medicines. Thus, Mother Ayahuasca means Mother Nature. You're basically drinking Mother Nature, and she, the Earth Mother, teaches. But the Earth is a part of the universe. In Christian mysticism, they call, the, they say Gaia, and then Sophia is the cosmic mother. It's the connection, you know? And so the children of earth, if they want to understand their place on earth or in the universe, turn to the father and the mother. The same with the child talks to the mother and father when they're learning everything as well. The difference is we need to expand our understanding of what mother and father is to the mother and father of this earth as a part of the animal kingdom. Turn to mother and father nature. That's where shamanism in the form of medicines comes in. And, you're, and it's important to make sure you know who you're going to experience medicines with because more now than ever, there's, there's uh, you know, it's amateur hour out here. Like, it, it's a really interesting dichotomy that we're facing right now. But there's always hope. There's always going to be the change. And those are going to be the possibility for everything to expand within ourselves. Dude, that's fascinating. I never, I never um, understood like how, I guess the origins or not the origins, but uh, the energy behind each of those kingdoms. Um, and, and and it's beyond books because we can experience them. Right. That's the key. Mm -hmm. Wisdom. Yeah. And so finally for you, my final question, what to you is the meaning of life? Ooh, the meaning of life. I did a video on that too. Did you see that? I'm not on my, <laughs> on my Instagram on my Instagram store. Um, Instagram. What is it called when you have it? Like in the uh, middle. It's like on your feed. It's IGTV. Okay, yeah. So I have some videos. Who am I? The meaning of life, and something else we talked about. So all three of those videos on there. But um, I think the the meaning the meaning of life is only going to be understood to each of us individually as we experience the journey of life, you know, and that's ultimately the life will have its meaning that will define itself through the journey of life. We're always trying to find out the end, but there was no, the person at the end of that journey became that person through the journey. That's the meaning of life is you're finding out with every breath. See, if you even look at it from the, if you take it from what's the meaning of my life and bring it down to like, what is life, right? Well, life is breath. A shaman understands 
the value of each breath. So when you take a breath in, a life is created. And when you let it go, what was the purpose of that life? What was the purpose of that life, that breath? And it's whatever you charged it with. And that's the power of a single breath. And that is the dimension of understanding of life that the shaman works with and over the reality of the room, you know? That's the power of a breath. And for example, what's the difference between a drop of water and a drop of cobra venom? Two drops of liquid. Water, cobra venom. Difference is two things. One is the intention behind it. And number two is the degree of concentration into the intention or thus creation, vibration behind, inside that drop. And then what's the difference between venom and poison? Cobra doesn't have poison. The cobra has venom. It becomes poisonous when your body accepts it as poison. Otherwise, it's just venom. And if we can get that serious and that concentrated, then we're not going to have this world will change real fast. I mean, one, one Jedi is going to, you know what I mean? Like is, is different, is, is going to counteract 100,000 slaves, mental slaves, you know? That's for sure. So the more we can get serious about, uh, about this and, and everything I'm talking about, I'm speaking about from experience. Um, you know, I'm not conceptually talking about, if I am, I will describe it as conceptual, you know, but everything I talk about, I can also show you, meaning I can provide you with the space for you to have your direct experience. What that direct experience will be, I don't control, but you will have that experience, whether it's in meditation, breath work, ayahuasca, whatever, it doesn't matter. The degree of experience in which someone's looking to have the dimension of depth or height is based off of how deep you want to go. Within that dimension, that's the spiritual journey. And the meaning of life is that journey. Everyone has the same journey. How you get to it is completely different. You can be inspired by the teachings of the, of the life of Jesus. But your point is not to follow and retrace the steps of Jesus, nor Buddha, nor Abraham. That was their journey. The point is they followed their higher self, their sixth sense on their journey. The purpose of your life is not to follow them. It's to be inspired by them, sure. But I'm not running around trying to be Jesus. My goal is not to be Moses. Between Jesus or Moses, there's been two to 3,000 years between them and now. If we're not at a higher state, there's been 24 or 26 Buddhas in, 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 since Buddhism first, first materialized. If I'm trying to shoot my goals as a shaman or, uh, or spiritually as someone who lived 2,000 years ago, then I have very low expectations because the amount of wisdom and experiences and understanding of everything that we have now and access to, there is no limits, you know? 
And so we need to be facing, our, facing forward in the journey of life, not trying to talk about moving forward by using the past and trying to recreate the past. That's never going to work. And so the meaning of life is going, is, is going to be described for each person in their beautiful journey of experiencing life. But my meaning of life is to transmit this journey to show people doorways, turn lights on and point and, and show doors. I turn lights on and I show you door handles. You know? Yeah. I love that, dude. I, I, I don't believe I'm supposed to tell anybody what they're supposed to do with their life, good or bad. You know what I mean? But I'm supposed to definitely assist people in, in the understanding of, you know, and eradicate darkness. Right. Well, you know? that was beautiful. And this was an amazing podcast, my brother. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I appreciate you. If you just let me know how I can help. Dude, absolutely. And um, I would love to do it, do this with you again at some point in the future. For sure. But dude, yeah, this was this was powerful. Thank you for, for bringing yourself. <laughs> so thank you, man. Of course, brother. And uh, I'm in New York actually this weekend. I have a ceremony Saturday in, uh, in Manhattan. Okay. I'm not in New York City. Yeah, no, um, I know. But yeah, but that's cool. Um, that's the journey. Yeah, of course, man. <laughs> well, thank you again. And I'll talk to you soon, brother. Yeah, brother. And what you said, you had something. Are we... You, you, 